0: Good afternoon everyone. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Marty, pastor to the Grace Adventist Center and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in Adelaide. And I'm joined by Pastor Gary. Gary, this week we're following a powerful theme that I kind of just want to get into really quickly because we're looking at the Bible, the believer, and the Spirit. Gary, what will
1: you be sharing with us a little bit later on? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I uh, my uh, my subject today is uh, is looking at this whole uh, the issue of the uh, uh, the early chapters of the book of Acts uh, that. Early, uh, the early apostles, the early church. What did they believe? What did they do? And how was it linked to the to the working of the of the Holy Spirit?
0: So this is really about the inception, the birth of Christianity in in, in many birth, ways. Uh, the birth the Christian of, church. The, of the Christian church. Indeed, that's going to be powerful. And, and obviously, the Holy Spirit is key in in the birth and the. The very powerful uprising of, of the Christian church. And so, so this is critical. This is critical. We're going to be awesome to, to dive into that subject. You know, Gary, as we look at the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of even Christians that are not very, you know, clued up on the Holy Spirit. This is a, it can seem like a, a bit of a vague or mysterious subject for a lot of people. So are we going to be, I suppose, answering some questions? that?
1: Yeah, uh, look, Marty, one of the things I'm, I'm really conscious of is that uh, throughout the years of, of my ministry, there seem to be two major extremes that people can uh, can go to on this subject of the uh, the Holy Spirit. On, uh, on one extreme, you seem to get people who say, hey, the Holy Spirit really doesn't matter that much because he's only an essence of God anyway, mm. you know, whereas mm. to me I don't believe that. But scripture does actually present that to be uh, that to be reality. On the other hand, uh, you get uh, uh, you get people who will uh, say, "Look, you know, unless you have got the Holy Spirit and it is evidenced in a particular way, for example, through speaking in tongues, is probably mm-hmm. the most common mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, unless you have got uh, that." particular evidence then you don't have the work of the Holy Spirit. Now to me uh, I'm going to suggest uh, that in fact uh, that is actually also an unbiblical position because uh, throughout the scripture spiritual gifts are actually given to people uh, for the work of ministry but different gifts are given to different people. Not everyone has exactly the same gift. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go on. You were just I I caught you mid-sentence there. but 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 this is something that i'm just so conscious that uh within the scriptures there is evidence of the outworking of the Holy Spirit in fact, uh yesterday we did actually look at that uh, that issue you know Christ start uh, to speaking to Nicodemus said, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God now that's a radical statement that that's
0: essential you if, if if we if as a believer doesn't have the holy Spirit
1: then then we're spiritually empty. Uh, and, and You've got to have the Holy Spirit. And this is unfortunately, and, and we did note this yesterday, uh, this is actually unfortunately where a good majority of the Christian world is today. You know, is it possible to call yourself a Christian if in fact you don't have the Holy Spirit because to me the Holy Spirit from from the Word of God uh, gives a vibrance it gives mm. a, an understanding it gives a depth uh, to your Christian experience that nothing else does does give but it's so easy to say within the world which we're living today you know wave the flag you know I'm for Jesus or wear the you know I love Jesus mm. t-shirt it's very easy to do that but it's also very easy to throw away the flag and to take off the, you know, I love Jesus t-shirt. Uh, in reality, the scriptures are uh, far more uh, relevant. They're relevant in everything that they're, uh, they're saying, but they're saying that the Holy Spirit has to be something that is actually deep within you. And uh, what does it actually mean? I mean, Philippians chapter 2, and I, I'm getting into preaching mode already. I was yeah, how quickly like you got this. me into this preaching mode. Um, but Philippians chapter 2 talks about let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Now, yeah. what yeah. does that actually mean? I mean, surely that must, if the, if if Paul is calling for people to have the same mind as Jesus Christ, surely that must change the individual believer. Absolutely, uh, and, absolutely. And this is where, to me, the Holy Spirit is actually so absolutely vital. So we're seeing, I, I suppose, in many ways a...
0: A large percentage of, of Christianity now, Gary, is kind of powerless. You know, Paul talks about this in Second Timothy, doesn't he? When he says they've got a form of godliness but denying its power. That's and it. that's what you're sort of referring to there, where there's this there's an external Kind of portrayal, or uh, there's an external proclamation or self-declaration that that yes, I'm a Christian, that yes, I I, I believe in Jesus. But where I, is the I power? I call it, I in call our it lives? the
1: "I Love Jesus" T-shirt uh, because you know it's very easy to go to the shop buy and "I Love Jesus" T-shirt. The wave the you know Jesus is for me flag, and uh, you know I mean hey, all is good and all's honky mm-hmm. and dory. Well, you know, not according to scripture, it may not be. Yeah, but having.
0: Making a profession is one thing, but actually living um, the lifestyle and actually walking in the footsteps of Jesus and having that power from day to day is a completely different experience. And so, Gary, this is exciting because I I, I venture to say that if somebody perhaps is in that experience in their in yeah, their Christianity yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. that there's a, a wonderful blessing for them to to experience. If they can capture the the importance of the Holy Spirit and actually experience the uh, the infilling of the
1: Holy Spirit in their lives. this is actually, I believe, the missing dimension in the spiritual lives of so many people uh, yeah. within the contemporary Christian world. This mm-hmm. is the you know if people are feeling flat, if they're feeling discouraged, uh, mm-hmm. if they're uh, y- you know if there is no vibrance in their Christian experience, if they don't like praying, just uh, playing church, or you know just just sort of going through the,
0: you know, the the cycle of uh, I go to church. I, I sometimes will pick up my Bible and pray, but there's really lacking that enthusiasm. Not not really having a deep
1: desire to do much witnessing. Yeah. All of that, all of that, and and it's tracked back to this one issue within the Word of God. Yeah. If, in fact, uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, uh, there is something that changes the way they think uh, and the way they act. You know, I think this
0: lack of understanding about the Holy Spirit, lack of preaching probably about the Holy Spirit, and, and lack of Asking for the Holy Spirit to infill us is, is impacting our world. I'm going to come to our World Watch segment now. And, you know, I found this one today, Gary, as I was looking online and it's, it's titled America is Crumbling. But it, the article really extends beyond Americans is essentially. Uh, in many ways, worldwide. But it says, America is crumbling. Anne Graham Lotz warns, we are in a spiritual and moral free fall. Now, um, when I saw uh, Anne Graham Lotz, I thought, I wonder if she is uh, related to Billy Graham. And of course, she is. She's a daughter yes, of Billy daughter. Graham. Yeah, that's correct. And um, she actually made. she actually put this prayer on social media. And she labeled this prayer a prayer for future generations. And um, within a very short period of time, it's 12,000 likes and 900 comments on Instagram. People obviously could resonate with what she's saying here. And so I want to just read you her prayer because it's a very powerful prayer. God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, you have been our dwelling place throughout the generations. Your faithfulness. Your fame, your promises, your covenant, your authority, your glory continue year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennium after millennium. You have not changed since the beginning. Your word is settled, is forever settled. As I consider my generation and the ones that follow, I'm appalled. We are in a spiritual and moral freefall. A great darkness lies of lies, unbelief, ignorance, and evil covers the world. People are living as though you do not exist. I shudder to think of what future generations will face, the generations of my children and grandchildren. Unless they rebuild the foundations of authentic faith, our nation will crumble. It is crumbling now. In the midst of political turmoil, racial division, social upheaval, financial uncertainty, virus pandemics, and worldwide chaos... I earnestly pray for my children and grandchildren. And she, she actually goes on, but I would just want to pause it there, Gary, because she makes some, some bold statements in this prayer. She actually goes as far as saying that we are in a spiritual and moral free fall. And is she correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, look, I think... I think what you're actually uh, highlighting there and what she is actually highlighting is incredibly real for the world in which we're living today. Do you know, as I, uh, as as I read her prayer, I'm, uh, I can only think of the number of parents and grandparents who must resonate uh, with uh, with that with her particular prayer, uh, but do you know? Uh, to me, I, I I look at it, and uh, the one thing you know, she's looking at future generations. I, I have to admit, I, I'm actually wondering, you know, how many more future generations there's actually going to be. Uh, do you know? As I consider mm. it, you know, I, I look at uh, you know Second Timothy chapter chapter three, and uh, so much of what the apostle Paul says uh, is actually reflected in her prayer. Know this that in the last days, and he calls them his. The last days. Know that in the last days, perilous times will come. Do you know, I, I'm amazed that the apostle Paul can call the last days perilous time. Just think of the day and the age that he lived in. You know, he's mm-hmm. able to say, mm-hmm. "You know, I was flogged three times. I was beaten with uh, uh, with rods twice. I was shipwrecked a couple of times." You know, this was the day and age of the mm-hmm. of crucifixion and uh, floggings, and uh, uh, and yet uh, Paul turns around and says, "No." He doesn't call his own days perilous. He calls. He says, "Notice that in the last days perilous times will come. Why? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, and headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than pleasure than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but." Denying its power, do you know? I think this is actually links into what we're talking about mm. this week. This uh, generation, and I believe it's the generation in which we actually live right now. He calls it the last generation, but uh, he says that uh, these individuals, this generation, will have a form of godliness. But deny its power. Do you know? Right mm. now, I believe we're actually seeing that literally being fulfilled right before our eyes, right now. Because right through the the Christian world, what we have is a form of godliness. Do you know, more and more, I'm you know I'm reading the the the, the religious news press, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm i ag- uh, I'm aghast uh, when I actually realise uh, where so so many in Christian denominations of renown yeah. Um, yeah. are today. Uh, you know, it- We're pushing against
0: the very foundations of our biblical faith in yeah. so many different areas, yes. and you think, how much longer can can a society push against biblical truth and these biblical foundations and last? Like you're saying, you know, what does the future hold? I mean, you, uh, when, when I was reading this article, my mind instantly went to that great chapter in the Bible, Matthew 24, where Jesus outlines how the, you know, what the world is going to look like, how we're going to see the, an increase in lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. There is going to be a sharp decline in spirituality. In fact, yeah. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, as it was in the days of Lot. And we know that Lot lived in Sodom. And, um, and and you know and so this is what we are actually seeing Pastor Gary you're yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, right no, we're no, seeing
1: this happen in before our eyes I, I think I think that's and I think she's identifying you know this is Billy Graham's uh, daughter she's certainly identifying it and you know the thing that does amaze me is that Christian after Christian in many denominations but frequently not at upper levels but at lower levels are recognizing exactly the same problem mm, the number mm. of people that actually come to me and and, uh, uh, are prepared to say uh, yes I am seeing what the scriptures have actually prophesied, what the scriptures have actually said. There was once upon a time when I used to, well I still run uh, uh, Bible prophecy uh, seminars uh, but uh, 40 years ago You're going to be deal- running those until the day you oh, breathe your last, Pastor Gary. And I, I hope I can. I <laughs> hope I can. You know, I mean there are many things in, in ministry, many of the administrative aspects Today, hey, I'll be happy to leave to you younger blokes oh. uh, but I uh, uh, <laughs> I hope uh, preaching the word is one thing that I am never called yeah, to actually give up absolutely. because that's something that is so incredibly, uh, incredibly powerful. But you know, forty years ago, when you were actually uh, presenting something, something publicly, uh, people would uh, would look at you and say, "Well, you know, the Bible says all these things, but you know, can they really? Are they literal? I mean, can they really happen like like this?" Um, and uh, people don't ask that question anymore, do they? Nobody asks that question, especially anymore.
0: the post COVID. World, things have uh, has, have changed rapidly. They it? have, they and have. that's what's really standing out to me: the pace of change, the pace of of uh, you know when Jesus says lawlessness will abound. Literally, it's going to leap forward from one yeah. to the next. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, she she makes this comment that that you referred to before, Pastor Gary. She says, "I shudder to think of what future generations will face: the generations of my children and grandchildren." And I just wanted to, you know, reflect on this.
1: And you know, Pastor Gary, do
0: you feel the same way oh, yeah, for your yeah, children, yeah, for yeah. your
1: grandchildren? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look. To to me, when I compare uh, my uh, my experience with parenting, uh, and my children now are close enough to being in their thirties themselves, uh, all of them. So uh, you know, it's it, it sort of uh, it's some time since I was a, a parent of an adolescent or of a preteen. Uh, but the thing that really jumps out at me is when i was bringing up uh, uh certainly uh certainly our children uh, there was that was pre-internet uh that was uh the media was nowhere near as all pervasive as it is mm. today mm. Uh, and uh w- when i see that what's uh, what's shaping the minds of young people today I, I, and that's it? exactly the, it, it. and and that's what i mean i, I know you have also have a, a young family and uh, that's one of the things that you are being called to deal with i never had to yeah. actually deal with that yes we had uh, television well we actually didn't have television in our home um uh, when we first got married for the first number of awesome. uh, uh, number of years but um you know to me the thing that i'm i'm just so conscious of is that trying to regulate that. Today is so much more difficult than when I had uh, four four channels uh, to actually have to worry about uh, <laughs> on a. Uh, now there's about uh, you know yeah four thousand isn't there? There's there different
0: yeah you know, it's infinite actually the yeah. number of different websites etc that's out there. You know we can't change. In in some ways we can't actually change the the way the world is going, can we? No, we can't because even scripture says like we're saying. Things aren't going to get better. Yeah, the world is uh, is is on a downward spiral, and 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 um and and Graham, she she's nailed it there, and um but but the question for me is, what can we do to protect our families? What can we do to protect the ones that we love from this
1: increasingly powerful? Tide of evil that's, that's just a, sweeping over the that's world. That's actually a really, really uh, important, uh, important question. And you know, one of the things that uh, one of the authors that I really love uh, actually talks about uh, guarding well the pathways to the mind. Now, of course, the pathways to the mind are, in fact, the the five physical senses: mm. sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. You know, that that's the the pathways to the mind. And uh, that particular author makes this statement. But uh, uh, she says, "Look, guard well uh, those particular pathways and if you think about it today uh, that is so incredibly relevant yeah, to, uh, to, to us today and it's really challenging too oh, because because I mean, yeah. like
0: you're saying you mentioned you know for for your early married years you, got, you guys didn't have a TV we don't have a TV for that very reason. Yeah. Not yeah. because we don't, th- you know, there is definitely some 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 good good things on TV, etc. You know, but the reason we just say we're not going to have one is simply because that's just one avenue that we can, we can, you know, we can exercise a little bit of control in that area as parents, and we can uh, and, say, and that- you know what, Let, let's just not have to deal with that one. Hey, there's still phones. There's still all these other things that you know you you really can't, you can't really live, unfortunately, without a mobile phone these days. Yep. But um, that's one thing that we
1: can do, and in doing that what tends to happen is you find other things to substitute for it uh and you know we're talking this week about the impact of the holy spirit uh if in fact you allow uh, allow a certain um spiritual stimuli let me put it that way to come into your mind mm. your mind will grow uh, in a uh, in a spiritual direction if however it is fed Garbage in, mm-hmm. garbage out, mm-hmm. and uh, your mind will uh, will grow or shrink according to the stimuli that you put into your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is huge, isn't it? I
0: mean, it's making me think, Pastor Gary, that perhaps one of the reasons why we're seeing a lack of the Holy Spirit uh, within within Christendom today. Is that our mind is being so bombarded and we are allowing so much negativity, so much garbage into our minds that, that the Holy Spirit's trying to get to us, but, but, but he just can't. He's just saying there's all this junk that's got to be removed
1: before we can actually hear his voice. That's right. You know, somebody said to me one time, Gary, it's just like your, your computer. You, you put junk garbage into your computer. What do you get out the other end? You get junk garbage out the other mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know in my case, hey, uh, I mean, I don't have social media. Why don't I have social media? Uh, well, my children would actually say it's because I don't have any friends. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've got great children who oh, are very yeah.
1: affirming. <laughs> but... But you know, one of the things that I'm so conscious of is that that is something that I don't need. I don't want to have to control that. It's just far better uh, for me to be able to say, you know, I'll leave that out of my life. So individually, we all have to pray that prayer
0: and say, Lord, show me what needs, show me what areas of my life I need to simplify. Show me some things that I may need to reorder and reprioritize because it's sometimes too easy to just day after day, week after week – go on in in, in our Christian experience and
1: really not experience any growth. And I'll I'll tell you what's going to happen too, because if, for example, you take a decision and say, hey, look, you know, I mean, for me, uh, the television is is ruling my life. uh, What's going to happen is when, if you say, hey, look, I'm going to push that out of my life, uh, for uh, for the first three or four weeks, you will find that incredibly hard. You will find it amazingly difficult because your mind is adjusted mm. to, uh, to to that particular stimuli but you know uh, as you uh, have move away from it what you will find is that your body will adapt your mind will adapt uh, so that you will be able to pick up uh, other things you know for example you know all of a sudden you, you know you might start to say hey look you know that exercise program that I've actually been intending to, to get up um, suddenly uh, comes on board mm. because hey I've suddenly it uh, up three or four or five yeah. or Six oh, yeah, hours yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a day. Uh, you know that uh, that book that I intended to read, uh, that communication that I'm having with my children that I've actually lost. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've got the time to do it. Wow,
0: wow! I love where we're going with this, Gary. And so, uh, you know, hey, time is getting away on us. I don't want to miss an opportunity, though, to let our hearers know that we have a free giveaway today. It is a powerful book called "Revive Us Again" by Mark Finley. If you want a free copy of this book, send us a text at oh uh, four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and you send us the code. S.A. 117. And I'll just tell you a bit about this book. I've, I've read this book, Gary, cover to cover. This is a powerful book. It is, it is geared to bring about revival in our personal experience. It's there to show us and teach us about the Holy Spirit. It's there to show us how we can really know how to pray and connect with God and have, have a meaningful prayer life. And there is just, it, Pastor Finley takes us through, takes the reader through God's word. He takes it through a journey of inspired authors, remarkable stories to something that will actually change our spiritual experience. And so, if you're someone who's listening today and you can honestly, honestly say, and really, there's no point in just sugarcoating, is there, Pastor? You know, we, no. we can try and kid ourselves and say, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm kind of tracking along pretty well spiritually. We shouldn't kid ourselves. We've got to be honest and say, am I really, is my relationship with God really where I want it to be? And if it's not, then then this is the book for you. This is the book for you. If you want to grow and go deeper and actually experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then I I cannot recommend many books higher than this one. Uh, Revive Us Again by Mark Finley. Again, free book. Send us a text. At oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and the code to get that book is S A one one seven. We're going to come to some music, and uh, then we'll be straight back.
2: We do not know.
0: Kachansky Now um, is her last name, and uh, that was "Teach Us to Number Our Days," a beautiful song, a reminder that life is um, is transitory. It's uh, it can be fleeting, and uh, if we are wise, we will make the most of uh, of each day by putting God first in our lives and and I just wanted to repeat and, and and say once again that free giveaway revive us again if you're looking for a closer relationship with God if you sense your need of uh, a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit and um, Mark Finley unpacks how you can have that experience then send us a text for that free giveaway the text uh, number is 0488. Eight oh eight eleven. That number again. 808 Eight oh eight eleven. And send us the code S A one one seven, and uh, we'll get you a free copy of Revive Us Again. So, Gary, we're back. Um, our topic is uh, what really happened at Pentecost. This was the subject that you're going to be talking about, and so uh, let's dive straight
1: into it. What really did happen at Pentecost, yeah well, look, this is something I think uh, I think Marty that uh, it's really worth us uh, uh, us picking up on Do you know uh, the disciples had been on a very much of a roller coaster have you, you ever been on a roller coaster of a Christian experience you know you 've sort of been up on a hill. Oh, yeah. or you've, you've, you've absolutely. You've Dis- for years, for years, yeah. for years, and you know, so many Christians actually do struggle with this, you know, roller coaster effect. They go away to a convention, they're on the hilltop. Uh, a week later, they're actually down in the valley. Well, the disciples had just been through one of those roller coasters. If you if you think about it, uh, they'd actually seen Christ go to the cross. They were down in the valley. Uh, then they hear that uh, he's uh, uh, that he's alive, and suddenly the the mountaintop uh, uh, comes comes along and uh, uh, then uh, he reinforces to them things that he'd already said to them and that was that he's going to go away. Uh, And so, you know, they're sort of down about that one Uh, and then uh, finally he he, he leaves and they come together in an upper room. Now, this is a really beautiful um, experience in their particular life because uh, it's now uh, the the day of pentecost hasn't hasn't yet come but they come together and to me the thing that really jumps out at me is the way that they uh, that they pray and share together and uh, uh, what what you find here uh, is that um uh, in a, in uh, uh, in acts chapter 1 is where the story is uh, uh, actually does uh, does pick up and uh, uh, I just Share share with you what's occurring. You know that, that Christ has gone back to uh, back to heaven. He's ascended up in uh, up into heaven. Uh, they uh, continue in Jerusalem uh, in prayer and uh, supplication. All the women, the, plus the mother of Christ, with all his brothers and with the disciples. You know this is a. It's described in the Bible as a as a prayer meeting. Uh, you know, to me, there are some prayer meetings in my my life that I have remembered. Long after uh, the uh, the event has actually passed uh, passed by, I, I I well remember of uh, a number of occasions where uh, we have been we've come together, and I remember on one occasion uh, spending about uh, about we actually had a church difficulty, a church problem. And uh, together uh, we spent about three hours uh, in prayer uh, prior uh, to actually starting to address the issue. And yet, you know, one of the things that I found absolutely, well remarkable uh, because I'm one of those Martha types who you know if there is an issue I like to have the issue addressed you know I'll you know I mean the the intellect is something mm-hmm. that is you know can become all pervasive in, mm-hmm. in many mm-hmm. ways but on this occasion it wasn't the way it went we actually spent about uh, about three hours we had dinner together yeah. we got to know each other again uh, we prayed uh, each for each other each other purpose and uh, and then we came together and started to address the problem. And guess what? The problem had actually disappeared. Wow. The wow. problem had actually disappeared totally. And to me, I went home as a pastor that night absolutely rejoicing at the way the Spirit of God had actually moved. Now, mm. if you think mm. about it, uh, these disciples have got an upper room prayer experience. You think of the type of people who are there together. And, uh, uh, you know, you've got uh, got Peter now. What sort of person is the apostle Peter? Uh, is he a sort of person that you'd like to have on your church board? <laughs> He'd be very outspoken. He'd be, and very, he could be very impulsive too. He could be incredibly. Naturally. His natural personality. He's a natural, he's the person who's always got the first thing to say. You know, every church board I've ever been, ever sat on, there's always been somebody, uh, who is always the first one to speak, uh, first, you know, and, you know, their, uh, their opinion, you know, and everyone will look at, look at each other and they'll say, oh dear, here we go again. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's Peter. That's Peter. Mm. Uh, would you choose him as one of your apostles? Mm. And, uh, and, and then you've got this yep. guy, Thomas. He's there as well. Now, of course, what's his personality? He's, uh, he's, uh, he's a second guesser. He's, he's the second guesser. He, he's the one that we often call him the, du- the doubter, but in actual fact, uh, I actually uh, call him uh, the ultimate realist. Have you ever had <laughs> you've ever had on your church? well, you know this is the person who will tell you the practical reality of the proposal that you've actually actually got Mm -hmm. now personally if i had been christ you know the thing i would have done uh i would have uh, kicked him off uh the uh the disciple (laughs) team you know why why would i choose uh the great you know uh, this man thomas as part of my team then you got james and john love james and john yeah what are james and john what are they renowned for yeah 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 well they're called the sons of thunder
0: and I think they had quite a bit of ambition and quite a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of uh, a bit of oomph, I suppose you could say. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Do you have any of those people on your on your church board or on a committee? Oh uh, look, you- yeah, you know, I think um, probably. Uh, I don't know if they're listening now, so maybe I shouldn't say, Pastor Gary. <laughs> no names, no. but you're dead right. You're dead. Right. You know, uh, to me, uh, it's another personality type. Now, to me, the thing that really jumps out at me is. Is it possible for all these different personality types to actually get together? And uh, you know that's the that's the issue that we are struggling with here in uh, uh, here in the book of uh,
0: Pastor uh, Gary, You forgot to mention that there's Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot also on the same team. Tell us
1: what a zealot is because some well, of the this So know.
0: Simon is zealot. You know, so here's someone who believes in. Essentially, a military approach to to bring out spirit, to bring about spiritual reformation. Yeah, and so he, he believes he believes that you know we should throw off the yoke of the Romans and and use force in order to and do that. And bring out the sword. To bring do it, it. Bring out the sword to do it. And then you've got Matthew, who's a tax collector who works for the Roman, Roman government. I mean, literally, yes. Yeah, Simon could have. Yeah, he 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 could have felt quite uh, quite comfortable um, taking his sword out and and showing. Um, Uh, Matthew, how how he uses it.
1: Uh, And yet uh, Jesus is them in the same team. And you know something, this is probably the most rag-tag bunch that I have ever watched witnessed you know this sort of bunch if you had said to me hey look you know uh we've got to put together a team well then you know hey I, i've i done studies in in management and uh, i know there are surveys that we can get we so we go out and do some of these executive uh management uh surveys to to to, to try to work out, you know uh, do these personalities do they mesh together uh, within this particular team and uh you know that would be, you know, to me, I look at it and I say, hey, well, that would be a worthwhile thing to do, surely, but it's not what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. What Jesus mm-hmm. does is he goes out all night and he prays. That's how he chose his, his yeah. disciples. Yeah. He prays all night and then he gets the most ragtag bunch, uh, that you could possibly imagine, pulls them together and says, hey, I've got to work for you. He calls fishermen, if you please. Do you know what fishermen are like? These are tradespeople. Do you know the sort of language that uh, fishermen are familiar with? Uh, you know, would you choose a fisherman? Uh, he chooses a couple of mm. them. You know, mm. uh, this, is, uh, this is something that uh, this is a ragtag bunch. And yet what we get... In the uh, book of Acts, in, uh, this is Acts, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the whole, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And they filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, but they were all filled with the holy spirit and At this point, something remarkable starts to starts to take place. you know the, suddenly they are equipped for ministry. Uh, do you see what's mm. occurred here is something has happened to their hearts. Yeah, now, yeah. Can I just put a bit of a challenge here? Do you know one of the things that I'm really conscious of is that in so many churches that I'm familiar with, uh, there are uh, brethren and sisters who have hard feelings for somebody else. Mm. Do you know? To me, that only proves one thing: mm. that the Holy Spirit is not in that environment because what the Holy Spirit does uh, within a congregational setting is actually blends hearts together so that uh, different people can actually function with a common purpose and that purpose of course is the purpose of evangelism Uh, you know to me this is a huge challenge it's so relevant for us today
0: yeah this is absolutely relevant you know I was reminded of that text in Ephesians Pastor Gary, where where the Apostle Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Yeah. And and so clearly here these apostles and, and like you know, when we read the story, we realize that they there was not perfect unity among them whilst Jesus was with them. Yeah. They were contending for position, they you know, yeah, they, they were looking down on, on one another, there was conflict, etc. And yet here the Bible says they've now they have come to one accord, they've prayed together, they their hearts are knit together mm. in a in a way that like you're saying, this is impossible except that the Holy Spirit is moving here
1: and that is and, and what i want to suggest is occurring is that they they're starting to think differently they're starting to think differently about themselves you see when the holy spirit has come one of the first works of the holy spirit is the holy spirit will convict of sin That's one of the first things that the Holy Mm. Spirit does. Mm. What the Holy Spirit does is will convict me that, hey, I'm not a perfect person. Mm I'm I convicted of sin, but it also starts to blend hearts together. It means I can start to see the value in people Mm -hmm. that previously I saw no value in. Mm -hmm. There is able to be a blending of hearts. Significantly, too, there's actually a blending here in their belief and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. this this isn't a, a diversity of of belief there is actually a unity of belief that is actually mm-hmm. occurs mm-hmm. as well you see there are some things under the a power of the holy spirit that are possible that without the coming of the holy spirit are not possible but it's this transformation of mind transformation of heart that is actually the most important element to what's going to come next. You know, Jesus prayed in John 17 that his people would be one
0: as he and the Father are one. And that's important. So that the world may believe that that God sent Jesus. Yeah. In other words, the greatest evidence is is not really as much what we preach or what we say, but it's the unity amongst us. It's it's the love that is within our hearts for each other.
1: But my unit that can I just pick up an important point here, that unity that's spoken about by Christ there in uh in John is actually a unity with the Father and with the Son. It's not unity with the world. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's a that's a
0: great point. And I, I also appreciate the point you make there, Pastor Gary. When the Holy Spirit came upon the early church in power, they were united in what they believed. And uh in First Corinthians chapter one, verse ten, we have this text. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Yeah. That there be no divisions among you. And that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Yeah, yeah. You know th- this idea that we can be one in Christ and yet actually differ in our in our um, in what we teach from the Bible. Yeah, is yeah. is
1: not uh, that's not what Jesus. Was what the Holy Spirit for. does is brings people together in heart. And also in mind. And, you know, I recognize that people uh, will say, Pastor Gary, that's physically impossible. Uh, To me, uh, my response is simply, you don't know the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. That's my response to that. Absolutely. Because I have seen uh, the change that can take place in individuals who have uh, responded to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. The key is we've got to let the Holy Spirit have his way. Yeah. I
0: mean, so many disputes, so many uh, differences of belief could be resolved in a very short period of time if we were willing to be humble. Yeah. And if we were willing to say, okay, it's this is not an ego thing. This is not about me proving my point. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to actually take control. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and so many Christian conflicts today are nothing more than reflecting the culture of the present world. Uh, let me just say that I don't want to yeah. move into that right yeah. now yeah. because we. I do want to move on further into Acts chapter chapter two. Um, but maybe we could do that after the break. Yeah, let's come to some more music. Uh, just before we go to that music, though, I'm I'm I'm
0: sure there's someone out who's who's listening today and thinking, you know, I want to have a deeper experience with God. I want to understand more about the Holy Spirit. If that's you, you want to understand more about the Holy Spirit. You want to go deeper in your relationship with God. There's a beautiful book called Revive Us Again by international evangelist Mark Finley, one of the best authors that I know. And if you'd like to get a free copy of this book, Revive Us Again, send us a text at oh four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven, And send us the code SA117. Again, that number is 0488880811. And send us the code SA117 to receive your free gift of Revive Us. Again, we're going to come to some music, then we'll be straight back.
3: You took a stone to kill a giant Took a staff to part the sea And only you could do so much With ordinary things You took a slave to tame a lion Took a rock to make a spring And only you would choose A shepherd boy to be a king Strong Cause you are perfect in my of all kings but only you would choose a rugged cross to rescue me you're the healer of the broken by faith I still believe you took on my flesh you conquered death Lord you are my victory so I don't have be the strongest Cause you are perfect in my weakness If you can move a mountain you think like a grain of mustard seed I wonder be
0: And that was Josh Wright, What You Could Do With Me. What a beautiful, beautiful song what God can do with us if we're willing to put our life in His hands. In fact, I'm reminded of this quote where it says, there is no limit to the usefulness of one person who putting themselves aside makes room for the Holy Spirit and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. Pastor Gary, we're back. We're talking about what really took place at Pentecost and we're digging into some pretty... Heavy and some deep uh,
1: heart topics here, but I, I think uh, this is uh, very powerful and very relevant yeah look uh, marty I, I really think that this is the heart and core. this is the challenge for the christian world today uh more than more than anything else. you know it's so easy to have sensationalism on one hand it's yeah. uh yeah. so easy to live with dead Christianity on the other mm-hmm. hand formalism uh, formalism yep. uh, they're the two two extremes, and yet here what we 've got is the biblical solution to it and to me, the thing that I, I love about this act story is that what you have is uh, uh, you have a, a major prayer meeting occurring. The day of Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And can I just suggest what actually occurs is that hearts and minds are changed. That yeah. is the biggest challenge uh, to the Christian world today. There is no challenge that's greater than this one, uh, to actually have believers who have got hearts that have been changed and minds that have been transformed. Absolutely. Absolutely, Pastor Gary. You know, this is this has got to be one of the questions that we have to ask. You know, when
0: people come to to church, when they come to know Christ, and or if they are in their experience, is there actual change that's taking place? Is there a transformation
1: that is happening? That's, that's exactly it and you know the thing that really jumps out at me is what occurs you get this transformation of heart and mind occurring at Pentecost but then Peter does something that you, only Peter would do Peter has now been transformed and Peter stands up to preach previously it was Jesus who was doing all the preaching Jesus has gone back to heaven the Holy Spirit has been given Peter's heart has been transformed and now Peter stands up to preach now I love mm. what actually takes place here, you know, because you actually get in Acts chapter 2, and it's really worth reading if uh, any of our readers aren't, a- aren't aware of it, And the great uh, uh, sermon of Peter in Acts chapter 2. And uh, this is how it starts up. Uh, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said, and don't you love that by the way, Peter stands up with the eleven. You know, I, I love that because a lot of people actually don't realize that in, uh, in Christ's day, uh, Preachers or teachers, what did they do? They sat down to teach. Here, what we find is Peter is standing up with the 11. Now, the question that I must ask is, why does Peter stand up to preach? Well, the people that stood up to preach in Christ's day, in the Apostles' day, was a witness in a court of law. If you were a teacher, you sat down, you spoke ex cathedra, you spoke from the seat, you spoke with authority. Mm. But who Mm. was it that actually spoke standing up? Well, it was actually a witness in a court of law. What's Peter actually doing here? He's performing the work of a witness. And this is something that I look at and I say, hey this mm. is such a beautiful a uh, picture that's actually forming here yeah. because yeah. Peter is not functioning uh, as a preacher he's functioning as a witness and what he starts to do is he starts to share uh, the things that he has seen and heard and yeah, touched and powerful. tasted and uh, wow. what, what you actually get in you know first uh, John you get uh, um, John saying the things which we have seen and heard and touched mm. and tasted mm. they're the things that we're actually going to declare to you and I look at this and I say, hey, this is powerful. Peter starts to share his testimony. Uh, and, uh, you know, mm. uh, Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit, but he actually, in his sermon, hardly, he, he hardly mentions the Holy Spirit. What he does is he mentions three things. He shares his own testimony The second thing he shares is the experience of what he has witnessed concerning the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, he's able to turn around and say, "Uh, you people over there, you put him to death, but the God of our fathers, he raised him up and now He's he's been a risen saviour and he's able to share about Jesus Christ. He shares his testimony, Mm. he shares Jesus Christ, but he does it in the context of Old Testament prophecy. He Mm. actually quotes Mm. continually Mm. in this sermon, he quotes Old Testament prophecy. And then right at the end of his sermon, he simply makes an appeal. He says, guys, it's time for you to repent because if you repent, Mm. you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit you see the Holy Spirit comes as a result and then a person is given uh, powerful gifts for for ministry you know I, I'm just so conscious that uh, sometimes I've heard preachers stand up and you know they preach about the the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit when that uh, Holy Spirit comes they're going to have these wonderful evidences uh, they're going to be able to speak in tongues yeah, and there are some people that the Lord has certainly given gifts to be able to speak that that Foreign language, that ability to be able to communicate cross culturally, and by the way, that is exactly what it is here in the uh, in the book of that. Absolutely, and yeah. you you look sure. at this and you just simply say, "Hey, uh, God gives to different people different gifts." The fact that a person cannot do one particular gift, I am no prophet. My spiritual gift is teaching. You know, I mm. believe the Lord has mm. given me that particular gift. I'm Absolutely. actually not a preacher. I'm a teaching pastor. Yeah. That's, that's my particular gift. And I say, thank you, Lord, for being so gracious to actually give me uh, that particular, that particular Mm -hmm. gift. Mm -hmm. I actually Mm -hmm. say to my, uh, to my church, I believe the two most powerful gifts in the church are actually hospitality and encouragement. And they are gifts of the spirit because, do you know, one thing I'm so conscious of is that if a church has got people who, with hospitality and encouragement, your church will grow. Now, if in fact, if in fact that church has an evangelist, but does not have the gifts of hospitality and encouragement, it will die. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I am getting passionate about this. This I'm is getting, good. I'm, I like I'm, this. I am getting excited about this. Uh, That's uh, about where you've got a Brighton
0: church. <laughs> That's you've got people with those gifts, and we have people at that gap. With and those and gifts. and this is why you know, and this is why God is is moving in that place. You know, I, I think Pastor Gary. One of the reflections I have on this chapter is something that you know, the Holy Spirit is like a dove. Mm -hmm. and doves only settle where it is quiet and it's peaceful. They don't settle where there is a lot of clamor and noise. And unfortunately, I believe in many churches today, what is declared as the moving of the Holy Spirit is nothing more than clamor and noise. That's right. It's, It's sensationalism. It's sensationalism, and yet we see the birth of the Christian church here actually takes place in a prayer meeting. This was a humble Event. This was not something with, with big lights and smoke machines, etc. This is a humble event. And if we're willing to humble ourselves before God, pray, and as you said before, if we're willing to repent, we're willing to turn away from the things in our life that are getting between us and God, that are not in harmony with His Word, then we will receive the Holy Spirit. We will have spiritual power. We'll have joy in our experience. And and who doesn't want to have that? Yeah. Who wants to go through life as a lukewarm Christian? Oh, and, and then come to the end of it, and
1: and and it's really of no value whatsoever. And look, there's nothing more exciting than having a Christian experience where you know that Jesus Christ is actually living within you. Yeah, there's nothing more exciting than uh, having Jesus Christ functioning through your uh, through your mind. You know, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Yeah. You know, that can be a living reality in. The Christian's life. If in fact that is the case, it, it gives it gives a perspective to life that nothing else can give. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely Pastor Gary. I'm, Pastor Gary, as we look at the time I, um, I'm conscious that we are out of time today and I want to thank, thank everyone for joining us today as we have looked at this important subject of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to join us again tomorrow. It's going to be Pastor Gary and Pastor David. They're going to be discussing how will the Holy Spirit change my life? And I just want to leave you with, uh, with these words from God who says in his word, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. May you know and walk in the plan that God has for your life. God bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.